The Gemara in Shabbos on the Chaf Aleph Amid Beis says, "My Chanukah. What is Chanukah? What is the Mahus of the Yantif of Chanukah that we're about to begin celebrating Mitzvah Shem tomorrow night?" And the Gemara describes the story about when the Yivanim entered the Heichal and they destroyed so much in there. In the end. They only found when the Chashmanam were able to come back and beat back the, uh, the Yavanim, they found only one Pach Shemen, one jar of oil that was Munach Bechaisamesh al Kayin Gadol, that had the seal of the Kayin Gadol on it. There was only enough oil in that flask to light. One day, a miracle happened, and instead of lighting just one day, a miracle occurred, and it was able to light for a full eight days, which was just the right amount of time that it took to go and produce new oil that was pure, that was tar. The Beis Yosef, or Beis Yosef Karay, is a commentary on the tour. The tour was an earlier form of the Shulchan Aruch that was written by the Balaturim, and on it, the most classic commentator is the Beis Yosef. The Beis Yosef would later go in life and, and write his own Shulchan Aruch that we use every single day. That's the standard Shulchan Aruch that we use. But he has a commentary called the Beis Yosef that's on the tour, and that forms a lot of his philosophy when it came to writing the Shulchan Aruch. So we're able to get a lot of the the angles and the approach of the Mechaber through studying his Beis Yosef. The Beis Yosef asks a very famous question on Hanukkah, and the question is: I don't understand. If there was enough oil. In, the, in that jar that they found that was tar to last one day and it lasted eight days why are we celebrating Hanukkah for eight days? one day was not a miracle one day we had we had enough oil to last one day the miracle was after that first day that it was able to continue without naturally enough fuel to go anymore and it was able to continue seven full days after that that's the miracle Hanukkah should be a holiday of seven days, not eight days. A very simple question. A question that bothered him very much. And he has his own three pshatim that he gives in his commentary there on the Beisayseif. And many, many other commentaries deal with this question. There's actually a sefer that was produced recently and it has no less than five hundred answers to this question. If you can imagine trying to figure out five hundred answers to one simple question, that shows the godless of Tyra and how, how expansive it is and how elastic it is and how it's able to completely expand its horizons in an amazing way. And one simple question, five hundred answers were offered. I would like to offer a 501st answer, if I may. And the truth is that it might be one of the 500 answers. And I'll confess that I didn't go through all 500 answers. But if it's something that was said already, so that's a good thing. If you're mechavin to something, you should never say, oh, shoot, I thought it was my own. It's a good thing. If you're mechavin to, some, to an Adam Gadol, that means that your mind is on the right track and that your that your approach is correct and straight so it's a good thing I'll, I'll abide that I should be zaycha to have been mechavin to, to, to somebody that somebody real that said it human nature is that when something that we might consider doing seems impossible to do it seems so hard 
for me to do a certain thing. I have a, a very big Nisayan. I don't think that I could do it. It's too large. The, the horizons and the, the scope of what's in front of me is so daunting that I can't do it. It's just impossible. Human nature begins to invent reasons why you shouldn't even start. If you can't finish something, if you're not going to be able to accomplish that thing, then why start? You're just going to embarrass yourself. You're just going to be branded a failure. It's not going to work. Everybody is telling you, all of the naysayers around you are saying, John, what are you, are you crazy? You're going to do that? You're not, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to succeed. Take my word for it. Many people have tried what you're going to do, something that they didn't. And this is what the, the negative energy that surrounds us impacts us. Not just from other people, but even from us ourselves. We doubt ourselves. We don't believe that we have the ability to accomplish something really great. It seems that it's out of our reach. And so because of that, we don't do it. We don't even start. There's no point in starting. Just do something else, but don't do that. Even though you know that it's something that would be amazing if I was able to accomplish, it would be an amazing endeavor, enterprise to begin, but... I don't think I'm going to be able to finish it. It seems too hard. And because it's so hard, I'm not going to start. Why would I want to start something just to fail? And because of this negative attitude that we have, this pessimistic down attitude that we take in life very often, there are so many great things that we could accomplish and that should be accomplished by us but they're not getting done because we don't want to start them because of this attitude that it's not worth it I don't think I'll be able to do it we fail to bring greatness to the world there are so many endeavors that if people would have said it's just impossible, it's too hard they wouldn't have accomplished them, they wouldn't exist in the world the, 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 the thing that always comes to my mind whenever I'm thinking about this concept is the building that we're sitting in right now. When I was offered this position to be, uh, to be the mashkiach here in Lander College in Beis Talmud, it was around six, 16 years ago. And I met with Dr. Lander and Rabbi Lander in, in Rabbi Lander's office and they offered me the job and and I had my hesitations, I had my reservations about whether I should take it or I shouldn't take it. Whatever the reservations were, Baruch Hashem, it's not Negei anymore really. Um, but they were, they were hesitations. I wasn't sure that it was the right thing and there was issues at the time here and I, I wasn't positive it was the right thing to do. <clears throat> and quite frankly, I was a little scared also. I had a job already and to jump to a brand new institution and it was, it was daunting and I was nervous I had a family to support and I, there were a lot of reasons why I should take it but there were a lot of reasons why perhaps I should take a pass I drove Dr. Lander home that night from Arachayim to his home in Forest Hills and, and I sat with him in the car for a long time outside of his house and he said to me and I guess he was trying to talk me into taking the job and it worked um, but he said I want to tell you a story about what happened to me he says when I was in my 50's I think he was 54, 55 years old he had many jobs he was, uh, he was a dean in, in Yeshiva University of the graduate program I think he was a professor in, in um, Hunter College and he did something for Notre Dame and he was on a presidential advisory commission he did a lot of different things he was a very busy man but he had this dream that he wanted to build a Jewish college he wanted to build a Jewish college 
that was being run, as he put it, Chulun Shenas Al Tiras She wanted that the the Chulun, the everything that was taught, should be done with a certain ruach of kedusha in it. That was his dream, and people thought that he was absolutely insane. What are you going to do? You're going to quit your. You have a family to support. You're going to quit all of your jobs. Have zero income coming in. How are you going to eat? You're going to, you know how much it costs to start a college? How are you going to hire a secretary, let alone professors? How are you going to be able to get a building to house these, these theoretical students? Why should they go to your institution when there are so many older and well-established institutions? You're a dreamer. You're a visionary. But you're crazy. You're not, it's not happening. Don't even start. Just be happy with your with your job. Baruch Hashem, you have a lot of a lot of good jobs. You're respected. What do you need this for? Malachal l'tzara azayis. What do you for what? And this is what the buzz around him was saying. Don't even try. Don't even start. And he told me, Doctor Land. He says, I went home with this dream to my wife. And I said to her, this is what I want to do. I know that I'm old. 55 is a, is a very old age to start such a thing. If you're 30, that's a good time to start. 35, you still have like a good couple of years left in you. And you know, you can, you can build something. 55 is already when people are winding down their life. They're getting ready maybe to retire. They're just happy if they could build up a, a, a nest egg and start looking at homes in Boca and... and and she came, he came home to his wife and he told her his plans and his dreams and his vision. And she said to him, Bernie, she said, if this is what you want to do, then do it. I'm behind you. And he just started it. He started it. And things fell into place. Obviously, it wasn't a, a, a straight, smooth path. There were many, many bumps on the road. He had many vicissitudes. There were times that he was up, and there were times that he was down. There was a lot of problems that happened in the early years in Turo College that were, that were corrected and that were taken care of. But at the end of the day, and when he was talking to me, it was already at the height of the Malucha. He had at the time, I think, 21, 24,000 students around the world. He had campuses in Rome and in Berlin and in Moscow and in New York and in Florida and Los Angeles and California and in, 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 countries, in, in cities across the country and in, and in countries across the world. And he said, when you have a dream in life, he told me, he says, you just have to do it. If you think too much and you listen to all the naysayers and you're cheshping and ice in your head, most of the time you will not end up doing it because you're just scared. You're just paralyzed by fear of failure. And in life, you have to just start things. You have to do things. You have to, at the right time, in the right place, assuming that things are pretty... in a, in a, in a, in a sort of normal situation and you're able to do something... Don't think so much. Just jump and do it. Don't think that it's impossible. Don't think I might fail. Don't think that who am I? Don't think but there are other people that are doing it better. If everybody would have that attitude, there would be nothing in the world. There would be no buildings. There would be no houses. There would be no cars. There would be no computers. There would be no Google. There would be no Microsoft. There would be no apps. There would be nothing. Because everybody could do it better, and who am I, and how am I going to get the funding for it, and why? who's going to live there, who's going to buy this. In life, you have to take chances. In life, you have to dream big, and if you feel that you're Kavanah Hashem Shemayim, and that there's something that's worthy about your dream, then do it. The worst that happens is you fail. So what? So you fail. Everybody fails. There's no such thing in life as a successful person that has not tasted failure. That's just part of life. If you read biographies about billionaires and these great builders, do you know how many times they failed before they finally struck it right? And then after they did strike it right, they still failed. 
and they manage to claw themselves up back to success. That's a factor of life that people that that are successful people have failed. That doesn't absolve a person from the obligation to start and to try and to endeavor and to reach. People that never fail will never succeed because it means you're just going to stay in your little cocoon and do your own little thing for the rest of your life and you'll never take chances and then you'll never have success but you never failed so it could say on a person's tombstone he never failed so what? never failed but he never succeeded success requires taking risks and taking risks sometimes involves failure and failure is not pleasant and it's embarrassing and it stings but it's worth it if you're able to accomplish great things in life or at least try and the truth is that Chazal tell us that kolas kolas kashis every time you start any new project it's difficult but at the same time the Mishnah Avis tells us at the end of Parak Beis it's not incumbent upon you to finish the job you don't have to finish everything not everything has to be successful not everything has to be have a happy ending but you cannot withdraw from it you're not free to just say well I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish it so I'm going to take a pass I'm not going to start it that's not the way the Hashkafah demands that a Yid thinks a Yid has to think I'm going to try I'm going to try it's not up to me to finish I'm going to start it if HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants it to succeed he will water the grass he'll water those seeds and they will sprout and they will be successful if he doesn't want it so it's not going to grow so what? I tried my best I did my Ishtadlis but I have to start my plans and I have to just do it and after I try and I do it, very often you'd be shocked at how much success a person will find when he just starts that project, when he starts that initiative. On that Mishnah and Aves, the Medrash Shmuel, which is a, a Talmud of the Arizal who wrote a Sefer, a commentary on Pirkei Aves, he writes that this is similar to the concept of when a person wants to be metar himself HaKadosh Baruch Hu helps him purify himself if a person, and this is like a great endeavor, endeavor if a person wants to do tshuva I'm not on the right path and I want to start a personal plan it's not a global project, a personal project we're talking about today also I want to be able to start learning again. I'm not learning with enough Ian, with enough Islavis, with enough Chazara, with enough Lumdus, with enough Bikias, whatever it is that you want to do. Habalatar Messiah You try, you want to do something good, and you really sit down to learn, Akadosh Baruch Hu will help you. He will give you that Siat Dishmaya. You have a problem waking up in the morning for davening, endeavor to wake up. Find ways, find systems, find help, find anything that you can to try to start waking up for davening, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will give you the siyat d'shmaya to do that. You want to start a shul, you want to start a yeshiva, you want to start a kail, you want to start a cheder, you want to get a new chavrusa, you want to get married. Marriage is the biggest endeavor that a person does. You could be very scared to get married. It's a scary thing. There's a lot of unknowns. But if a person wants to do it and he wants to do L'Shem Shemayim, go, do it. HaKadosh Baruch will be Matzliach B'Yadah. You will be able to find success. But you have to try. You can't always hide in safety and say that that's the way I'm going to live my life. I want to be totally risk-averse. A person that's risk-averse, that he wants to take no risks, will never have any gains. You'll keep your money in the bank at 1% interest rate, and you will never have success. You have to be careful. You have to be prudent. You can't be foolish. You can't put your money in some place that's too risky either. But you have to try and take a little bit of risk. Go out on a ledge and be able to do something 
That's a little risky, even though it may give you a little bit of indigestion. But that's the way you will succeed in life. By exposing yourself to some degree of risk, that's how you will meet success. And he brings other Marmakaimes, Hashem Yigmar Baadi, Gal Hashem Darkacha, Psukim and Tilim, where David Amelach says, and I'm trying, I'm letting things roll, and Akhirishparchu will push it further. Akhirishparchu wants us to start. He can't give us bracha unless we give him the Kalim in which to shower bracha. If you're never going to start a business, if you're never going to go for a job, how is HaKadosh Baruch going to get you the money? He has ways, of course, to do anything. But he, there's a natural derech of the world that if you want to succeed, you have to try. And you have to put yourself in a place that you're starting and you're taking an initiative to do something and don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to those many voices that tell you you're crazy, it's impossible. Just do the safe thing, do the easy thing, and there, that's where you'll get success. If you feel in your heart of hearts that you need to do something greater, you need to do something larger, bigger, bolder, then do it. Start it, and HaKadosh Baruch will hopefully be able to give you the Hatzlacha that you dream of. And if, he can't, and if he's not, that just means that it wasn't meant to be. But you have to begin the process. The Chavetz Chaim used to say, it is not for you to achieve, but to act. Achievement is the province of Hashem. Achievement, success, it's not up to you anyway. It's not up to you. You think you cause your success? Success and failure, that's up to HaKadosh What man has to do in life, our job is to try is to act, to do. I have to do something, put something into motion. Try, start something, do something, build something, plan something, talk to people about it, network, begin. Whether you're success, successful or a failure, that's not up to you anyway. I could have spoken Paskins that. But we have to try to do what we can do. That's what the Chavetz Chaim says. It's not up to us. But you have to act. Achievement is not our domain, it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's. This is what a manik needs to know. A leader, somebody that has those leadership qualities, he has to know that you have to try. The rank and file people around life that are happy and content with living simple, harmless lives, which there's nothing wrong with that either, by the way. If you're not causing trouble and you're not stealing from people and you're not, and all you want to do is live a very simple life, that's fine. That's good. Just be a from Jew, simple Jew. I'm talking to the people that want to take initiatives in their lives. They have dreams that they want to do, they want to act upon. And people are saying, no, 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 don't do it. It's impossible. I'm telling you, do it. Try it. Yes, you could get rejected, and rejection is not fun. But you have to be able to try to see your dreams through to reality. Because if you don't, you will never forgive yourself. If you have a dream to do something and you never do it because you took the safe road, for you that would be not your finest moment in life. Taking the safe road is okay for some people, but for others, they need to do something great. And if they don't, they won't get another chance. They're going to look back and they're going to say, why didn't I do that? I wanted to do that special thing and I never was able to do it. The greatest leader that Klai Yisrael had was Meshur Abenu. Meshur Abenu had a beautiful name. The only problem was it wasn't a Jewish name. Meshur Abena was from Eloshan of Kim and Amayim Mishisihu. Vayikra Shemay Meshe. Who called him Meshe? Basya Baspara, the Egyptian princess. She called him Meshe. For what? Because she pulled him out 
of the of the river. She pulled him out of the of the ark when he was in that little basket. She sent out her ama. Different shatim either means she had her servants with her by the ark when she went there to bathe, and they got her. They got the basket and retrieved it. But the medrash that we're all familiar with is that she stuck out her hand, and Amma also means like, a, like an arm. And she stuck out her arm, and she brought the basket to her. And Chazal tell her, tell us, yada. her hand physically stretched. Sure, we've all seen those illustrations in the Haggadahs, how her arm became so long until she was able to reach it. This is a miracle. It's a miracle. The question could be asked though, why did she even try? If I see that camera over there, and I'm standing over here, and I have to get the camera, would I ever go like that to get the camera? It's impossible. It's out of my reach. It's impossible. I can't do it. I would get off of here and I'd get the camera. To go over there and, and stand over here and try to reach to the camera, I can't do that. So what was Basibas power thinking? Why did she even start? It's impossible. The answer is that she was from royalty. She was a leader. And a leader inherently understands never say never. Never say that something is out of my reach. I have a royal reach. I have an ability to do great things. I can do anything that I want if I set my mind to it. That's what a king believes. Do you think a king or a president would ever begin the endeavor of doing such an amazing thing as being a leader of a country, of the free world? It's daunting. It's impossible. You're going to be able to govern. You have no experience. Who has experience to go into an Oval Office and to start dealing with the entire world at once and every city in the country, every person in the country, and taxes and, and security and terrorism and immigrants and peace processes and, and, and Russia and communism and who has the ability to do all, any of these things? It's a daunting task. But somebody that's a manic says nothing is impossible. I try and I will be met hopefully with success. Basia Baspara didn't want to hear it's impossible. You're reaching for She tried and you know what happened? She succeeded. She was able to actually extend her hand miraculously. Parenthetically, Reb Chaim Shmulevit says it wasn't even a miracle. He says it wasn't a miracle. Everyone believes it's just her, her hand. No. A person has the ability to do things naturally beyond their wildest imagination. Maybe I actually could reach the camera if I really wanted to, even from here, without a miracle. Because the human ability to do things is beyond our comprehension. We don't use a mashu of the kaychas that HaKadosh Baruch gave us. We use like 2% of our brain, I think. We use maybe 1% of our physical strength. We know stories about how people, if Rahman al-Islam, a friend, a family member, is pinned under a car, there could be like a bar mitzvah boy that's able to pick up the car to get his father's leg out of, from under the wheel. What does that mean? It's a miracle? I mean, it, it, it's a little, everything's a miracle. But the answer is when a person has Rutzen to do something, you're able to do great things beyond what you would ever believe that you could do. I have a Talmud who told me a couple of years ago, he was walking on Main Street by Shimon's Pizza, and all of a sudden there was a woman that was screaming on the top of her lungs to come into the house. She needs help. So he ran, and this guy's like a. He's not exactly, you know, buff. He's, not, he's like, a, like a regular person. He's not, not weak, but he's not really strong. And he runs into the house and says, what's the problem? He says, she says, her baby, some file cabinet was like pin, pinning uh, the... Somehow, it, it, she, it was, the door was stuck because of a file cabinet that was behind it somehow. And her baby was in that room and he was crying and she's going crazy. She needs to get to her baby. And 
That file cabinet probably weighed a ton, literally. But he had to get to the baby, so he like basically he pushed with his body the door until he was able to get the file cabinet out of the way, and he was able to get to the baby. This is a guy that, like, you know, if you give him these index cards to pick up, he might find it daunting. But he was able to do it. How was he able to do it? He was not naturally able to. If he go to the gym, he would not be able to bench press more than 50 pounds. How was he suddenly able to pick up 500 pounds? The answer is, he has the ability. But people have told him that he can't bench press more than 50 pounds, so therefore he stops at 50 pounds. Maybe 100. But more than that, no way. And this is how it is with everything in our life. When we do something, if we really, really want to do something, we have the ability to do it. The reason why we don't do it is because we're afraid of failure. We think that we can't do it. People have told us that we're not worthy, we're not able, we're not the right people to do it. And so we don't do it. We say, you're right, forget it. You wake up the next morning and it's a new day, new, new idea. That old idea was gone because people told me not to. And what a shame. How many millions of great ideas have not come to fruition because of all of those naysayers telling you what you can't do. In life you have to start things and if it's right to be done, if HaKadosh Baruch feels that it's a worthwhile endeavor, he will allow you to be the klimatzik bracha to make it happen. But you have to first make yourself into that klimatzik bracha by saying, I'm going to try I might not be able to succeed, I might not be able to pull it through and see it through to the end, but I have to do it. Moshe Rabbeinu took that Yisrael, and that's why his name was Moshe, because his name was Every time he felt that there was a challenge that couldn't be met, he remembered, wait a minute, my name is Moshe. And if my name is Moshe, that means that I have in my very DNA, my composition is one that I could reach and I could extend and I could do. Life was not easy for Meshur Rabbeinu. Meshur Rabbeinu didn't want the job. He wanted to, to punt when HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him by the smat, take the job, you're the manig. He said, no, 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 Aaron is better than me. I'm the who am I? I can't speak publicly. I'm, I'm not the guy. I mean, it's not me. You got, Aaron is a good candidate. HaKadosh Baruch Hu got upset. No, 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 I'm telling you. I'm telling you that you're the manig. And once Maishu Rabbeinu became that manig and understood that, the rest of his life, he was Karolanu Esayam, he split the seas, literally. He took us through the Midbar Abam Shana, with all of the commotion, all the ups and the downs, all the complainings, all of the magefas, all of the contention and the kairachs, and the naysayers. Maishu Rabbeinu triumphed because he was Maishu. He understood that you have to try, you have to extend your hand and do what you can, and only that way will you be met with success. That's the way to succeed in life. And this is what Klal Yisrael does. This is what we do. Klal Yisrael, if there's one defining feature of Klal Yisrael, it's this. It's that we have the ability to accomplish against all odds against all odds Klal Yisrael is the most beleaguered nation we're a nation of wandering people nomads from country to country throughout this Gaulus and before the Gaulus Chorban Bayez Rishon, Chorban Bayasheni things happening within the Bayez Rishon, within the Bayasheni in Babel and then for 2,000 years we're going from nation to nation we have good times, we have bad times, we're kicked out. Then we start all over again. And then we're matzliach once again, again and again. This is what makes Chal Yisrael special. That we don't take no for an answer. And Amkshayarif, we're a stubborn nation, but that's what defines us. It takes a stubborn person to go against everybody telling you not to do something. But that is what makes us great. After the Holocaust, six million Jews decimated, Kal Yisrael goes, Mamish, Sridi Apollet, 
those people that were fleeing, refugees, without barely a shirt on their back, literally, without a dollar in their pocket, they wouldn't come with like $20 million and they invested and it turned into a billion dollars. They didn't have a dollar in their pockets. They didn't have a pair of pants to wear that wasn't ripped. They didn't have a normal pair of shoes. They had nothing. They lost their wives and their children and their parents. They came mamish without anything. And they were able to come to America and come to Mexico and come to Europe and come to Eretz Yisrael, of course, and start building, rolling up their sleeves, building their own personal lives, finding jobs somehow, being able to remarry, have new children, raise them, build yeshivas, chadarim, kailim, beis yakavs, from nothing. There wasn't a billion dollar uh, endowment fund that they could work with. They didn't have anything. They had no money. They didn't know the language. Imagine if I drop you in the middle of Japan and say, make a living. I don't speak the language. I don't, I don't know anybody. I have no connections. I can't. They were able to. They didn't speak English. They came to these shores, and within a few years, they had businesses, and they had, they had yeshivas, and they had mikvais, and they had kailam, they had restaurants, they had, they had, they built an entire infrastructure within a few years that we are still enjoying the fruits of today. They built a country in 1948. They took a, a country that was a desert that was nothing going on there no no grass no technology no no running waters no nothing was garnished and within a few years they were able with both hands tied behind their back to have a, an air force and a navy while arabs were were trying to drive them into the sea from all sides they were able to push back with ingenuity with with a lot of a lot of shtick they dropped soda bottles down. They had airplanes. They dropped seltzer bottles, which exploded when it went. They didn't have bombs. They dropped soda bottles to get the Arabs scared like they had bombs, and they ran away, the Arabs. It was Siata Dishmaya, of course. But this is what we do. We start things. Start a country in 1948 after the Holocaust, and you think it's going to succeed, and look what it is. You go there to Israel. Every year I go back to Eretz Yisrael, I'm amazed. You see like a whole new Yerushalayim. There's buildings that pop up there that weren't there last year. And technology is, is off the map. Every, you know, every, every, every single person there has their own startup company making a lot of money and doing very well. The whole, the whole world is like going to Israel today to, to get technology and science and in health and in, and in, and in business. We are people of initiative. We are people that roll the dice, that take chances, that start and await We don't wait for people to give us things. We don't wait for handouts. We don't wait for people to give us a job because I have a rich uncle in a, in a business that could hire me. If I want to do something, I will try my best myself to do it. If I want to go for a profession, I go for a profession. I want to get married, I go and I get married. Try it. Start it. Don't say it's impossible. People that are themselves afraid to fail, they're the ones telling you that it's impossible. And they mean well. They're trying to help you avoid any, any risk. But you need to expose yourself to risk in life in order to find success. I'll give you a beautiful story. Last year... There were three girls in Orlando, Florida that got lost on a teal. They were taking some sort of nature hike with a group and they got lost. And it's scary. Whenever you hear these stories about these individual... Every time you have these, these, these individuals that get lost in a, in, a, in, a, uh, in a forest and there's bears there and there are you know, people that are crazy there... It's scary, and, and every time that happens, Klai Yisrael is Klai Yisrael, and they send people from all over, it's not just Hatzalah, but regular rank-and-file people go, and they have maps, and they scour the entire area with a, with a fine-tooth comb, making sure that not anything is 
any rock is, is every single thing we try to find them and bring them home to their parents that are, that are desperate and nervous and so they were taking people in vans to, to the spot they were organizing let's say in front of a shul and whoever wants to come to the shul to go and help the rescue mission should come and be at a certain place and there's going to be vans taking you there so people were coming, you know, by the dozens to the vans and going out into these fields, into this forest in Orlando. There was a man that rolls up to the shul with a wheelchair and he goes to the foot of the van and says, I'm here, I want to help. And the van driver says, Rabid, I'm sorry, but this van is not wheelchair accessible. I can't bring you up into the van, I don't have room. This person says, I know. I know you don't have room. But I wanted to start my initiative. I knew that I had to help in any way that I could, so I'm coming and I'm doing my ishtablis. I can't go further than this is all HaKadosh Baruch expects from me. But I personally needed to try to do my ishtablis to get as far as I can. You're telling me I can't go any further, it's physically impossible. Now I'm popular. But I did what I could to try to help those girls. And a few hours later, these girls were found, and this van driver says, I have no doubt in my mind that it was in the schus of that yid that they were found. Safe. Because when a yid takes initiative and does what they can, even if they can't finish, it's like, you don't have to finish. No one's expecting you to finish. But you have to start. People run the marathon. They might not finish. They can't. It's physically impossible for me to run 22 miles at 85 years old. Can't do it. So why are they starting? Because they didn't listen to people that are naysayers say, you're not going to finish, so don't start. There are people, they start. If they could run a mile, that's an accomplishment for them. But they could say they, they ran in the marathon. Two miles, ten miles, people in wheelchairs, people in Nebuch, that's all types of issues, blind people, that they want to they try to start. That's what a human being does. That's what a yid does. Try. You might finish, you might not finish, but at least you could say that you tried. You did what you were supposed to. You planted the seed. Whether it takes off or not, whether a tree grows from that seed or it dies, that's God's issue. It's not our issue, but we have to try. This is what Hanukkah is. Hanukkah is a time that you see this in all of its majestic colors. Matisyo Vanov. The coloring books that you buy in the stores and that you grew up on with Judah the Maccabee, he's you know, he looks very like like Rambo you know who that is the muscles are bulging and he has like the, all the ammunition all over the place he's got the, the big sword and the spear and the knife and the shield and that's not what Matisseo looked like that's not what he looked like I don't know what he looked like I don't have a picture of him but Matisseo Ben Yechanan Kain did not look like that he was a yip he was probably wearing a, a kapata a frack he had a long beard he was an older man a Shasyid, Gadol Adar, he looked a lot closer to what the Chavetz Chaim looked like than to what they depict him as looking like. Now imagine the Chavetz Chaim and Rav Shach and um, I don't know, Kamenetsky, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, the Stipler, all in a room, and they say, okay, here's the plan. We are going to take on the United States Marines. We're going to fight them, we're going to take them down. Would anyone say that that's a good idea? Would anyone say, you know what, go for it. it? Sounds like a good plan. No, 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 you can't do this. It's not happening. You're not going to be able to take one of them down. Do you ever see those guys? They're huge. They work out all day. You, like, pick up a Gemara and put it down. That's your, that's your workout. What do they do? They, all day, they're climbing on those things, and they're, they're working out, they're shooting, they're firing. They, they, you can't take them on. To say that the the... 
nitzachin of the chashmonaim was miraculous is completely, it's the worst word. Miraculous is like such a cheap word to use in, on Hanukkah. Miraculous? It wasn't miraculous that they won. It was impossible that they won. It was, it was the most ridiculous plan in the world for them to fight. The fact that they were able to last an hour and not get killed, is that's a miracle. But that they were able to fight and to win, that's not a miracle. That's beyond. That's beyond, if you have a miracle to the power of, of a billion, it still doesn't really capture what happened on Hanukkah, period. Miracles, Hanukkah, miracles, miracles, Hanukkah. It's not, we don't understand what really happened. Miracle is just a nice way of explaining, uh, uh, probably they, were, they had a lucky, lucky run. It was an impossible thing that they did. Can we admit that it was impossible for five Yidin to, to take on the strongest military power in the world? Can we admit that for a second? And they won. They fought and they won. This shows what we're talking about, how true it is. You start something, and if HaKadosh Baruch wants you to succeed, you will succeed. This is what Hanukkah teaches us. The power of starting something. Even if everybody's telling you it's impossible, who cares what they say? Try it. Go for it. Do it. Take the initiative. Dream large. You have one life to live. Accomplish what you want to in this life. Do it. The Chashmenon did it. They won against all odds. They were able to win and beat back the enemy and take back the Makamah Mikdash. And now they came into the, into the Eichel. And they had to relight the Menaira. They wanted to get the Aveda back again. They wanted to start it up again. To finish their dream. But they found that there was only one jug of oil left with a Chaysam Mishal Kayengadol on it. Pure. But now they were faced with another daunting challenge. Another question. What do we do? We need this oil to last for eight days. Because that's how long it's going to take to go and crush new oil and bring it back in a state of Tara so that we can have a, a constant run of the Menorah burning in the Mikdash. We only have enough for one day. Does it pay? For what? So it lasts for one day? What about tomorrow? What's going to be? You're going to be a failure. You're anyway not going to have enough. You don't have the Tmidis. Maybe save it, you know, right before they come, then you light it. To light it today, it's going to burn out. It's not, it's not worth it. It's impossible. It's not going to light for another eight days anyway. So why? Don't even start it off. It's ridiculous. And the Chashmanam, being the same Chashmanam that took the initiative to fight that battle, that lopsided, incredibly, incredibly lopsided battle, they said, what do you mean? We're going to stop now? Did you see what just happened? Do you understand that because we started to fight against all odds, HaKadosh Baruch Hu let us win, it was you guys that told us not to fight, remember? And we didn't listen to you and we won. Now we're going to start listening to you. We're going to light the thing and we're going to see what happens. HaKadosh Baruch Hu just wants us to light, to illuminate something in the world and let Him be in charge of how the events play out after that. You just do. You act. Achievement is up to the Rabbi Nishal. And that's what they did. You know, there's a halacha, a funny halacha on Hanukkah. It's machlekes in the Gemara and Shabbos, but I think we passed in that kavsa ein zakukla. Kavsa ein zakukla. It's machlekes in the sugi over there in Hanukkah and Shabbos and Chafalaf whether kavsa, zakagla, ain't zakagla, which means that let's say I have a perfect menaira with really nice oil in the glasses there and it's, it's able to burn for a half an hour into this man, exactly the sheer, everything is perfect. And it was in, I lit in a place that there was no wind, nothing was going to burn it out, nothing was going to put it out, and I light it. And then it burns out. For whatever reason, you know, sometimes you get a bad wick or whatever and it, it didn't take. Or uh, maybe somebody opened the door or turned on an air conditioner and it went out. 
And let's say I can't, I have no matches. That was my last match. Or let's say I really have to go somewhere, but I don't have the ability to relight it. Do I get the mitzvah or not? There's not like it's about that, whether I have to relight it or not. But there's a shita, and I believe we pass him like this, that kafsa ein zokakla. That if you lit it, if you started lighting it and then it went out, you don't have to relight it. You got your mitzvah. You had enough technically for it to last for half an hour, enough oil, perfect wick, no, no wind flow in the, in the room. You got your mitzvah. That's ridiculous. How, how does that work? Will we say the same thing by Kiddush? That let's say I'm, a, I'm about, I make Kiddush on Shabbos and I have a nice cup of wine and, and all of a sudden as I'm about, I make a barbaric and it spills on my lap. Oh, you tried. You got your mitzvah. No, you gotta, you gotta, gotta do it again. You gotta make sure that there's a shear of half an hour. I gotta light it. Let me call saying Zakakla. But that's how he passed him. And I believe that the aside in that halacha and the hashkafa behind that halacha is that Hanukkah we learn that you don't have to make things happen. You don't have to make things succeed. You don't have to make sure that, okay, I'm going to micromanage it until the bitter end. Until half an hour, I'm going to be here and making sure that, it's, that, it's, that the fire is lit. No! Hanukkah teaches us you have to just light the thing. Light it. Start it. Whether it succeeds or fails, that's not our geshef. That's not our department. We have to start things. We have to light it. And once we light it, that's what the mitzvah is. That's what Hanukkah is all about. Start things. Do things. Take initiative. That's how you're going to succeed in life. Success? Will I succeed? I don't know. I don't know if I'll succeed. You can go to all the biggest professionals, all your big counselors and advisors and consultants, and they might tell you that you're going to succeed. Some will tell you you're going to fail. But you have to try. If you don't try, you're not going to succeed. That's for sure. I don't want to get political here at all. But we have a president-elect, I think a year, a year and a half ago, no expert in the world or any, anybody would have told you that he's going to be the president of the life. Nobody, period. He wasn't a professional politician. He's, you know, we know all the milas and all the chesrenas that he has, but he's the next president. Ah, who, 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 who would have thought that? He thought it. He thought that it would happen. I just saw recently a story that about 30, 40 years ago, there was a small yeshiva in St. Louis, Missouri, and the Rosh Hashiva was very desperate. He needed to raise a lot of money for the yeshiva. It was very shvach. And he decided that he would make like a very chashav a dinner. Like invite chashav a gayim. Like make a whole thing. And, and it worked. He like was getting a lot of interest in it. A lot of, you know, it was like a hole-in-the-wall institution in the middle of, of St. Louis. But... People, like, they started, like, the creme de la creme of certain societies. They were, they were getting on board. This Rashiva was obviously very capable. And then he decided to pay a visit to our president-elect. This is going back 30, 40 years ago. He was a Manhattan mogul. He was a, he a real estate operator. And he knew, you know, he was very famous even back then. He was a celebrity and somebody. And he, he, he got an appointment with him and he told him. But he was afraid to say that it was that he was from a yeshiva in St. Louis because he thought like, you know, in Manhattan, in New York, that's where he probably wants to get the covered. What does he need a place like St. Louis for? So he was like trying to just make it like it's a, like more of a national yeshiva and whatever, not, not playing up the St. Louis part of it, but just the, just the making it into a big thing without telling him where it is. And, and so, so Donald Trump said to him, Rabbi, he says, why are you not playing up the St. Louis part of it? He said, well, I thought that, you know, you're, intre- you're, a, you're a Manhattan guy. You're a big city guy. You're not interested. If I'm selling you something, you don't want to hear St. Louis. He says, no, I do want to hear St. Louis. He says, because someday I'm going to be the president of the United States of America. I'm going to need St. Louis. This is 35, 40 years ago. He saw it. Now, I'm not making him as the semo of, of, of what, we're, what we're supposed to be, and, I, and that's why I was reluctant even to bring it up. But I think that there's a lot of muster that you can't take from it, theoretically. You could become the president of the United States of America when nobody thinks you can. 
because you believe that you can. And if that is true for the Umay Sa'ilam, imagine how true it is for us, Knesset Yisrael, that have in our genes, have in our DNA this ability to, against all odds, accomplish the impossible. It's Kav Sein Zakaglob. You've got to try. You've got to light it. If you don't light it, you're not Yates in the Mitzvah. But once you light it, whether it lasts half an hour or not, that's up to the Rebbeinishon. That's, that's Teva. That's, you know, Teva as controlled by the Rebbeinishon, of course. But that's not for us to decide. That's HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Chashmanam showed us this when they fought the Muhammad. The Chashmanam showed us this when they lit the Menaira, even though there was only enough to last one day. And I believe that that's the 501st answer to the Beis Yosef's Kasha. Because his question again was why are we celebrating for seven nights? We already had the first night. Why are we celebrating for eight nights? We should only be celebrating for seven nights because the first night we had in our pocket. We have the, we have the, the oil. The answer is, yeah, we have the oil. But do you know how big a decision it was to light that oil? Do you know how easy it would have been for them to say, we're not lighting, we only have one, we need eight jars, we only have one, we're not even starting this thing up because we need eight days, it's not eight days. But they didn't. They, they didn't listen to the naysayers, they didn't listen to all the people, all the, what are you doing it for, and all, you know, all the people telling you no, no, no. They went and they lit it. That's the biggest miracle of all. Sometimes the greatest miracle of all is when we actually take initiative and do something. And once it's done, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed us how happy he was that we did it by responding with this miracle that it lasted and showed everybody that was the doom and gloomers how wrong they were and how right we were. This is the aside of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a time that we have to take initiative in our personal lives, we have to begin anew on Hanukkah to recommit ourselves to what we have committed to in the past. Yom Kippur is a long time ago, but it's not that long ago that we can't remember some of the Kabbalists that we made and how we promised HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be good, to be better. And we've fallen short already. Only a few months later and we've dropped a lot of those plans. Hanukkah is a time to take the initiative once again and to say, let me open up those book of Kabbalists that I had in my mind and try it again. Try again another Chavrusa, another Seder Mishnabura. Let me try to, to be nice again to my friends, to have a good relationship with my parents that I swore I would try on Yom Kippur. Let me dream. Let me try to get married, start a family. Let me try that business that I had. I had that idea and people were telling me I shouldn't. Maybe I should really try a taco. Maybe I should try writing a safer. People say I'm not, I don't know enough, I'm not going to try it. Try it. Take something that interests you and write about it. Conquer. Conquer new vistas in life. Push yourself beyond your natural boundaries. Dream bigger and then do those things. No one could say if you'll succeed or not. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows that. But Hanukkah teaches us that we have to try. We have to light that first light. We have the ta- we have the Shemen. We have the Chaysama Shokai Gadol. We have what it takes. The only thing we, have, we don't have is the confidence that it's going to last. But that's not our problem anyway. That's like a sparkle. So take your shaman, take your pach with a chaysamash al gadol, take a flame, and set the world aflame. Set the world on fire. Bring your passion, your enthusiasm, your kedusha, your tara, your unique nature and build and conquer and accomplish and strive for greater like the Amsa of Pasparai you have to try to reach and you'll be surprised and maybe astonished at how far 
your hand could extend. If you do things with Siat Dishmaya, if you do things with Shem Shemayim, and Akhadish Baruch will no doubt, if it's a worthwhile endeavor, Akhadish Baruch will meet that endeavor with Bracha Vatzlacha. We shall have a wonderful Shabbos. Shmizaycha to a Lichtiger Chanukah. And we should have a year of full of Bracha and Atzlacha, the Rabbanisham Shemashbiya Taiva, Alayna Vakha Yisrael Amin. Amen.